Hello to everyone out there. Um, this episode uh, was pre-recorded with Brian O'Connor before the season started, and um, you know, everybody here in the office felt like it was a good time to. This uh, wasn't going to come out till next week, but with everything that's going on right now uh, with the coronavirus, uh, felt like it would be good to, to get an episode out there for everybody to listen into, um, and hopefully keep everybody motivated and. I'm not a medical professional, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna leave those um, you know statements to the the medical professions that are out there, and um, allow them to do their thing. And please, everybody, just stay safe. And you know, I always try to look on the bright side of things. And if there's one positive, uh, this does give everybody a chance uh, to be with their their friends and family. Um, you know when uh this time of year you wouldn't have that opportunity so again be thankful for the time that you have with your family we we all don't get that as baseball people uh you know especially in the spring uh you're gonna have a lot of time away from your family so please use this as a time to uh, reconnect uh with your family and again please everybody stay safe and enjoy the episode thanks guys ABCA's podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Brownlee. Brian O'Connor is entering his 16th season as the head coach of the University of Virginia and his 26th season overall. He spent nine years as an assistant for Paul Maneri at Notre Dame in one season with my former boss, Jack Dom at Creighton. In his time with the Cavalier program, they've won the national championship in 2015, had four College World Series appearances, 14 straight NCAA tournament appearances from 2004 to 2017, seven NCAA regional championships, and four 51 seasons. He's a five-time ACC Coach of the Year award winner and three-time National Coach of the Year award recipient. In the summer of 2018, he coached the USA Collegiate National Team with Paul Maneri, Jim Henry, Cliff Godwin, and George Perez. Brian pitched on the 1991 Creighton team that went to the College World Series for Jim Henry. In this podcast, we cover learning from mistakes as a young coach, developing a relationship with your recruits before they show up on campus, why it's a great time to be a baseball coach, why youth players should play multiple sports, what was great about coaching Team USA, learning from other coaches and players, and why he likes instant replay. Let's welcome Coach O'Connor to the podcast. All right, we're here uh, with Brian O'Connor, uh, head baseball coach at, at University of Virginia. And first off, I, I wanted to personally thank you uh, for two different occasions, there's there's way more than that. But in the summer of 2003, before you took the the UVA job, uh, I was in South Bend uh, for a Team One event, and we got a chance to sit down and talk. Uh, it was me, you, and my brother Tim, and I got a chance to just listen and ask questions. And then 2016 Nashville convention, uh, the Wednesday before, got a chance to sit down, and and that's when I was a head coach. And I, I do want to personally thank you for both of those 
times because it was a great time for me to just be able to, to sit, listen, and ask you questions. And do you have any moments like that uh, that you can think of where you've had a chance to sit down with guys and, and just listen and soak it in? And any tips for, for guys listening in right now on that end? Well, thanks, Ryan. I appreciate you uh, having me on this podcast. It's a great opportunity, and I'm looking forward to to sharing some ideas and some some thoughts with you, and and also um, you know the re- the rest of the group. But um, you know, I, I think that's part of the reason, right, Ryan, that um, you know conventions and um, having mentors and interacting with all different p- people in different facets of the game is so valuable and so important. Is because through our you know journey as a as a coach. You know, you, you have different opportunities. You're exposed to different people, friends in the game, you know, uh, getting introduced to different people and learning different ideas. I just think you're constantly uh, challenged as a coach to to improve and, and get better. And so, you know, in my 25 years of coaching, I've had many, many opportunities along the way. A lot of them, quite frankly, have taken place at the ABCA convention or you know, out on the road recruiting, a lot of them ha- have as well over the years, just a chance to, you know, sit down and talk. It might be grabbing a dinner or lunch with somebody or, you know, like at, at, at a convention and getting introduced to somebody. And, you know, those are the, you know, the little tidbits that we take from each other, the little learns and opportunities that we have, I think, that continue to push us forward as coaches and, and challenge us. And, uh, you know, as we evolve through our through our time in this profession, ultimately that helps mold us and becomes the type of coach that we are. And so um, I've got, you know, all kinds of examples of uh, like you do of opportunities where you've had a chance to uh, to have those meetings with people and learn and grow. What do you feel like you're better at right now than you were when you first started? Oh, boy. Um, you know, I, I would say I'm better at, at at, at learning from, from mistakes. I think that, um, you know, we, when we're, we're a young coach or we're continuing to develop as a coach, we want to try to get it right all the time. And, uh, but understanding that you're, you're going to make mistakes, you're, you're gonna, um, you know, learn through trial and error and things like that and, and handling the disappointments and the, uh, the ups and downs of a season or, you know, the disappointments that can, can happen to your team or in your career of being able to ma- manage those and, and push along and, and move forward. Um, you know, when I was a young coach, just getting started in this pr- profession, my first year as a, as a pitching coach at Creighton University under, under Jack Don, you know, I, I, I felt like I was still a player, you know, every pitch and every win or loss, I was so emotional that, I can't imagine it could have been a whole lot of fun playing for me, you know, and I think as you mature and grow as a coach in this game, uh, sure, every game is important and that's the attitude and the approach that we take, but also, you know, the learn, the biggest thing that I've learned is that the players, you know, they're they're looking at you as a coach and they're going to react to how you respond within a game or from game to game. And I think that's, uh, that's very, very important. When did you eventually become okay with being vulnerable? I think as we get older, that maybe becomes easier. But do you do you have a moment where it's like, okay, this I maybe opened up myself to my players and and I got a really positive response. Do you have anything that comes to mind? Any certain situations with that? Well, there's there, there's a number of them throughout your career that you that you have. Um, you, some of them you have every day, you know. But um, 
you know, I, th- I think when you get to the point as a coach that you can have a conversation with your team or individual players and share with them that, that, you know, you make mistakes, you know, and when you are wrong as a coach, I think sometimes as a coach, you know, the players can sit there and we are always as a coach, you know, correcting their judgment and, and teaching and coaching them. Um, and a lot of times that's on mistakes. And I think we have to be careful as coaches and, you know, challenge ourselves to, you know, also give positive encouragement when things are done right. But I think sometimes as players, you know, they can look at us and say, hey, they're always correcting our judgment and showing them that, you know, we must make mistakes as well and and um, make them quite often that they can learn uh, that nobody's perfect and how we handle the disappointments and failures are, are so important and because we preach that to them all the time and we have to practice it a, a lot as coaches as well. And, you know, for me, Ryan, there's, there's no bigger moment from when we were in 2015, uh, the year we won the national championship. Uh, we were playing at Virginia Tech and I got into a confrontational moment um, in in the game and got heated pretty good and didn't handle my emotions real well and got ejected from the game and ultimately uh, touched physically touched the umpire and uh, from that I earned a four-game suspension and uh, probably one of the certainly one of the more challenging times in, in in my career as a coach but it was an opportunity for me to to learn and grow as a coach but also you know to educate and teach our players that um you know, here I am as the coach and stand before you and talk about, you know, managing your emotions in a game from game to game and pitch to pitch, um, you know, but here as a leader, you know, you, you make one of the bigger mistakes that you can make. And um, so, you know, sharing with them that, hey, we're all human and and we're all challenged and we all make mistakes is, I, th- I think, is a really, really important part of, of coaching and connecting with those players and getting them to, to learn from the experiences. In game, you're going to have those moments. You're, you still get those feelings where you may get upset or you may get heated. What are you using routine-wise to allow you to, to take better pauses, you know, w- without flying off the handle? Are, do you have any routines that you have that you use in-game to allow you to stay centered in and stay in the present moment? Do you have any routines with that? I don't. Um, I don't have any pr- routines per se, but, you know, over the years I've really tried to – you know, learn just to take a deep breath. And um, that's, by the way, that's know. a routine. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is. You know? uh, uh, but you're taking breaths all the time. You know? um, so um, that's a human routine. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's just uh, sometimes just to, to take a deep breath and pause for a minute, uh, you know, because your response doesn't have to be immediate. Um, yes. You know, but uh, I, I will say, Ryan, that I think, that, you know, things like, you know, the the instant replay and challenges that we have now in, in the game of baseball and opportunities to get calls right and things like that from the umpire coach relationship has really has really helped a lot. You know, I, I saw it last year in, in our league when we kind of moved to the advanced replay. And, you know, just there's just been so many less confrontations. And um, it seems like from a coaching standpoint, it's allowed you to you know, relax a little bit from the standpoint of, 
you know, uh, the game and calls that can happen in a game. And so it's something that I, I, I've been a huge ad, advocate of. And I, I think it's really in a short period of time as it improved our college game. Would you make any adjustments to, to replay as it is right now? Or would you make any improvements to it? Not, not as it is right now. I mean, I don't, I don't know that we've been doing it long enough for sure to, 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 to make that uh, call, but I like where it's at, you know, and, um, you know, I think it's going to only continue to improve as more games are on television. And, uh, you know, I can t- speak for most of the calls last year in our league, you know, the, um, the decisions came pretty quickly. I don't believe that it slowed the game down too much um, compared to when you used to go out and argue and talk about whether somebody was out or safe and the amount of time that it would take to do that. Um, You know, I I think we're in a good place with it. Good. You touched base on the national championship. I wrote this in my notes. What were your biggest challenges after you guys won the national championship with the program and you, what, what were your biggest challenges after you guys had won the national championship? You know, certainly when you win a national championship, you know, the, the, the program starts to carry itself at a certain level in the public's eye, right or wrong. Yes. Um, and, um, you know, so it's continuing to make everybody understand and help get everybody to a place that, um, you know, this is, we, we, sure, we've accomplished a great goal, but this is something that we continue to aspire to do all the time, you know, and, uh, you know, I think sometimes, when that happens, people can take a, you know, gear back a little bit. And in no way, you know, are, are our coaches um, in that place at all. And we're just uh, looking forward to the next opportunity to maybe have that happen again. How do you eliminate the outside noise? And, and those are distractions, whether it's social media or, or the media or just fans in general. How do you personally eliminate some of those distractions and how do you help your guys eliminate those distractions? Well, certainly there's, there can be a lot of them out there and the games change just because of social media and everything and uh, everybody's ability to uh, you know, touch the players in the program and, and, and get personal with it because of um, you know, the phone and, and, and social media and whatnot. And so, you know, you just uh, certainly that that can be a real asset as well, you know, because you can give people an inside look at your program and what's happening and uh, create fan engagement and fan base and things like that. But, you know, ultimately that, you know, you share with your players and your, everybody in your program that this is about the people that are, that are in our locker room, you know, and, um, you know, we, we have to take care of our business every day and we can't, you know, worry about you know, what other people, how they critique us or what other people say that we just got to take care of the business in front of us. And, and, uh, you know, we'll have enough talent. And if we have enough talent and we can take care of what's in front of us, you know, the wins and the, uh, the championships, they'll, they'll take care of themselves. And, but it certainly it's a challenging time. It's, uh, because of how accessible everybody is, um, you know, it's important that those those players learn and understand how to manage it. Yep. You know, and you were really fortunate to have your staff together for a really, really long time with, with Carl and Mac. Um, what were some of your challenges now? You know, Carl moving on to Radford. What were some of the challenges with the hiring process? And, you know, you hadn't had to do that in a while. So what what were some of the challenges and obviously some of the positives that came out of, of the hiring process? 
Well, first and foremost, uh, Carl Kuhn was a great coach in yes, our sir. program for 16 years and did a fantastic job. And I'm happy for him for his new opportunity at Radford. And, you know, when you're when you're together for, with a group of guys and Matt Kirby's been with us from nine That's years right. as well, our, yep. our volunteer coach. So, you know, it um, you, you, you have an understanding of, of how everything works at your university and the program and at what everybody's roles are and things like that. And so, you know, that that's had a big part of, of our, our, of our success here is the sustainability of our coaching staff. And since Carl's move on, I, you know, it was an opportunity to bring somebody in new. And, and so I actually really took my time, um, with with the hire, uh, feel very very fortunate that I was able to land Drew Dickinson, who yep. came to us from the University of Illinois, and uh, he's doing a fantastic job. And you know the 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 area of pitching anymore, Ryan. It, well, it's every area of the game of baseball. Things have changed so much in the last decade. Yes, they have. And so you know, I I, I conversed with a lot of people in professional baseball, college baseball, kind of all over the map to ultimately determine what. Uh, what it is that uh, we wanted to do. And, uh, you know, I, I felt that it was important to bring somebody in that not only understood uh, what you need to do to develop players on an everyday basis in college baseball, which Drew Dickinson does a great job and he has a great track record of that. Uh, but it's about, in college, it's about a relationship. You know, you, you, it starts with the recruiting process that, as you know, starts as early as, you know, freshman in high school. And, yes. You know, then then it all transpires all the way through their three or four years in in our uniform, and then well beyond. So you want to have people on your staff that not only have that are credible and have the knowledge uh, from the development side, which is which is crucial at the elite level of baseball because of the kind of prospects you're getting, but but also somebody that um, from a human side enjoys developing relationships with young people and can uh, nurture those relationships through their time with us and. You know, and so, and then the other thing is that um, you know, I, I believe in you know, really surrounding yourself with positive people, and you know, I, I believe each one of our staff members are those type of people, and and that you can trust them that they're they're loyal to the program, and so if you have people surrounding you that are that are built that way, I think uh, you know you have a great chance of success, and it was an interesting process not having gone through it for. Uh, my entire time, quite frankly, as a head coach, have had the two same uh, assistant coaches. It was a uh, it was a, a unique um, but exciting experience for us to uh, bring somebody in new to our program that I believe is going to make a big impact for us. And and with developing relationships with your players, once you get them on campus, are, are you doing individual meetings? Are you keeping in the classroom? Take us through a little bit, especially in the fall. How much? interaction you're having with guys away from the field? Well, I, I think that relationship starts, right, in, in, the, in the recruiting process, certainly, yep. not only when they make the decision, but also through, you know, the relationships that 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 is developed uh, throughout their time in, in high school before they arrive to you. And then, um, you know, you, you have an opportunity, you know, a lot of people you know, are not crazy about the recruiting process in baseball because it starts so early. But one of the real advantages of it is, is it really gives you an opportunity to start a, a deep, deep rooted relationship with yes. players before they even get to your, to your campus. And then, you know, once, once they get here, you know, there's a, we do a combination of things. Certainly we, you know, we do some stuff in the classroom and have meetings and things like that and opportunities to teach our guys off the field, 
uh, about things that are not only going to impact them on the field, but, um, you know, their success off the field. And, you know, uh, I, I'm a, I'm a huge believer in the, in the individual meetings, the individual time that you spend, uh, with the players, because, you know, the, the a baseball team is a large group. 35 players is a, is a pretty good sized group. And, you know, when you have, four total coaches, uh, for that, uh, ratio. And we won't get into that. <laughs> that's a, that's a hot topic. Oh, right now. Um, but, uh, I am heartbroken you know, by the way. I'm heartbroken for everybody that that did not end up the way it should. And hopefully we can get that fixed, but I am, I'm heartbroken for, for division one baseball that we can't get that fixed yet. Hopefully that's down the road, but that's for another time. Yeah, well, I, I hope we can as well, and I believe that we will. But, you know, it comes down to those individual opportunities, whether it be teaching on the field or, you know, just the conversations that happen uh, with the players and, and developing those uh, deep-rooted relationships is, is crucial because, um, you know, the, the team's going to fall on hard times throughout the year. The player's going to have difficult times throughout their career, and it's, uh, you know, it's those relationships that, you know, make your team stronger and help build your team. But, you know, ultimately it's why it's, it's, it's why you get into this profession, yes. you know, is, is to have those relationships with those young men and, 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 uh, you know, they can, the, the impact that you can make on them. Uh, I mean, Ryan, it's, it's why I got into the, it's why I got into the profession 25 years ago is, is because of the impact that my college coach made on me. And, and, um, you know, that's why I, ultimately decided that I wanted to get into this business is because I wanted to have the same opportunity to affect young men that uh, my college coaches did for me. And you talked about Matt Kirby. And, and by the way, he was playing at William & Mary when I was coaching at James Madison. And he was one of the guys that I loved. You know, There's those certain guys that you play against, that you coach against. And he was one of those guys. And, and you were that way as a player and now as a coach as well from a competitive standpoint. What do you feel? What is your definition of a of a true competitor? Oh, well, you, we might not have a, a, enough time on this podcast to <laughs> we go can, through this. We can but, always come uh, back to this later on. You know, first and foremost, right? It's 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 somebody that's got to have the right attitude. Yes, right. I mean, that's 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 what it starts with, you know. And so, if if if, if somebody has the the right attitude every day. And, um, you know, they bring that right attitude that, you know, it's, it's, it's team first and that, that, um, you know, they're going to compete, you know, for their, for their teammates day in and day out. And, um, you know, is, that's where it begins for me. And, you know, certainly you want somebody that, you know, loves to get out there every day and put it on the line, uh, for their teammates and that, that are the, that are the best at the most important times. And then, you know, finally I would say is, is somebody that, that carries themselves the right way. You know, we talk to our guys all the time about, you know, having the right body language and the right body posture and how important that is, is it not only affects you as the player and, and how you perform, but you know, it's going to affect you moving forward, but it has a enormous impact on the guy to your right and left, you know, and, you know, how they look at you, but also too how they're feeling about how the game's going and, and how the team's doing and things like that. So, you know, the, a guy that's a, a, a true competitor for me is somebody that has the right attitude and somebody that, that, that carries themselves the, the right way uh, all the time during good and bad. 
You know, you talked about the recruiting process, and, and sometimes you do, not that you get fooled, but sometimes maybe what you see out of a guy in high school, and, and once he get there, gets there, it may be a little different. How do you help guys develop that competitive spirit, or do you feel like a guy can develop that over his three or four years in college? How do you help guys with, with that part to develop the competitive spirit? Well, I think it's tough. You know, this is why, you know, I, I believe in when players are in high school and even youth, you know, my, my son's 13 years old and, and, um, you know, the guys that commit to us in high school and things like that, that, you know, I, I constantly preach to them about trying to put themselves in situations all the time where they're playing to win. Yes. Right. When they're, when they're competing and they're playing to win, you know, this goes to the, to the big topic, right. Of should players play multiple sports or should they specialize and things like that? And I happen to be somebody that is a huge advocate of, of young people playing as many sports as they can. Right. And, you know, there's, there's certainly physical benefits to that. Uh, but the, Far more than that for me is, you know, just remaining competitive, playing on a team, the, 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 the personal responsibility that you have when you're on a team for the team to have success and, and, and playing to win, you know, and this is something that I'm concerned about over the last couple of decades and this whole specialization uh, that, w- that we're into now is that, you know, th- this whole concept of learning, learning how to win and learning how to compete and rather than training everything that we do don't get me wrong training's important but that competitive nature uh, is so important that because ultimately that's what separates people as you start to move up the ladders of baseball or anything of what we do the competitive piece and playing to win is what will separate because you know you get into professional baseball there's a lot of guys that have talent well what separates people when you get to elite levels of college baseball there's a lot of great teams that have talent what but what separates those teams and i think it's the competitive piece and doing what it takes to win and you know i i preach to young people all all the time and and my own children that you know you're going to be trying to win for the rest of your life and whatever it is that you try to do so put yourself in an arena as a young person to, to, to competing, you know, and whether it's a ping pong match that you're playing with your buddies or it's a, you know, 13 U basketball game or whatever it is that you're doing play to win, you know? And, and so, and then when you win or you lose learning how to handle that success or failure is so important, you know, because, and now, you know, for the last decade or so, you know, we've lived in this culture that, you know, young people have grown up and if they don't like the way that something's going, they can just hit reset. You know, I mean, they play these games on their phone or video games and if the game's not going the way they want to, I'll, I'll just start over. Well, you know, you don't get that opportunity in life, you know, and you don't get that opportunity at a high elite level in sports either. And so I just think, you know, and so I talk to our guys, you know, all the time about competing and, and playing to win. And, and I think it's a lesson that young people uh, can continue to learn in whatever arena they're in. And it's also not healthy. You know, when you look yeah. at, at the male and the female, it's both. It's males and females. When you look at, at males and females that only did one sport, 
their entire time, they have knee injuries, hip injuries, shoulder injuries, because they're not cross-training. And I consider cross-training playing multiple sports. So besides the competitive advantage that you have playing multiple sports, there's also some health risks to that of only playing one sport. Do you feel like there's a cutoff, though, at some point that, that a kid can play multiple sports up to a certain age and now maybe center in? Um, I, you know, Personally, I played soccer all the way through, along with baseball and basketball and, and multiple other sports. But my junior year of high school, I just concentrated on, on baseball. Now, I was also sure. 140 pounds at that point, and <laughs> I needed to spend time in the weight room as well because I, I, me personally, I think if I would have kept trying to play soccer at that point, I was behind when I got to Evansville in college. I think I would have been even more behind, but I think there's that balance, and I think there's, again, I think kids need to play multiple sports, but there are some times where guys need to, to, to maybe focus on one thing. Um, but again, every, every situation is different with, with that part of it. Um, and again, a lot of it's a health issue as well for guys. There's no question, Ryan. I mean, I don't think there's an exact script, you know, for this. Yeah. Um, you know, I wouldn't say that every individual should play as many sports for as long as they can. I, th- I think we all have to make individual decisions based on our situation. But overall, conceptually, you know, um, uh, I, th- I think it's a good thing uh, yeah. to do. And you're exactly right. I mean, what we what we found out in the last decade, the last five years, really about you know, hip mobility, ankle mobility, yep. different things from the physical standpoint of cross training and doing uh, different sports and different yep. activities. The value of that um, is is truly really important. And, you know, you can get a little bit of that uh, training in, in a different way as well, not necessarily having to play a sport. Yep. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I think it still comes down to individuals making the decision that they feel is best based on where they're at at that particular time in their development. Yep. And you were fortunate to, to be around great coaches your entire career. Did you ever learn anything not to do? Um, again, you don't have to, but, but did you learn what not to do along the way from some guys? Well, for sure. You know, and, and a lot of times when I, when I have the opportunity to talk to other coaches, young coaches uh, that are just getting into the profession or former players of ours that are just now getting into the profession – you know, sometimes, you know, I, I, I learned this from Paul Maneri years ago, and s- sometimes the best things you learn as a coach is what you would not do. Exactly. If if you're in a position ultimately to make the decisions on, on behalf of a, a program or, or from a teaching development standpoint. So, you know, I've been really, really fortunate to be surrounded by uh, some great baseball people in, in in my time, and not only when I was an assistant coach and when I was a player, but also too here as a head coach. You know, um, you know, in the in the office next to me is Kevin McMullen, yeah. and you know has been with me for 16 years, and you know I happen to feel like this this guy is absolutely the best. Uh, developer of of young hitters out there and it does a terrific terrific job with our guys and I'm constantly learning from them every day and and um, so I, I don't think that ever stops even though you, you become a head coach you know you're you know that's why you do continue to do conventions and and things and you can continue to learn from your your own people that that are working right there with you 
Yeah, and Kevin was at East Carolina when I first got to, to James Madison, so I got a chance to watch him and then obviously coached against him at, at UVA as well. Um, you know, and, and both of you guys, great evaluators, great recruiters, great developers. I think you've got two really strong guys, and now with Drew there as well, you've got three really strong guys from a, a recruitment and but also a development standpoint. You know, you got to reunite with Paul Maneri, Jim Henry, 2018 summer. What was the best thing about coaching that U.S. Collegiate National Team that summer? Oh, well, first and foremost, it was great to uh, uh, get together with my buddies and my friends and my mentors, oh, yeah. really, in the, you know, in the, in the, in the game of hey, baseball. Hey, now, was, was Elvis Dominguez the traveling secretary? He was not. <laughs> he was he wasn't with us uh, in that group. Uh, we, we we missed him, but um, you know. Uh, I love you, being, Elvis. By the way, I love you. Yeah, being with uh, uh, Jim Hendry, my college coach, and, and Paul Maneri, who I worked for at Notre Dame for for nine years. Uh, these two guys are two of the the biggest mentors that I've had, and. In, in, in my life along with others but um, to be able to wear the USA uniform with, with those guys and then the other coaches on on staff as well uh, was a was a tremendous opportunity and that and then you know when you have a chance Ryan to, to coach the elite uh, the best players in yes. in the college baseball game at that given year is a uh, just a blessing and a great opportunity, you know, and, um, we had a fantastic time, had a lot of success, um, helped me learn and grow as a coach, you know, to, yep. to have a chance to spend, you know, four and five weeks with, you know, not only those, those two guys, but, you know, other guys, Cliff Godwin and yep. ECU was on our staff and, you know, g- it gave us an opportunity as, as all the coaches on, on that staff, um, is to, you know, to talk a little, you know, to get a chance to talk a little bit and, and, and learn the game and le- learn how other guys are doing things. And, you know, I was able to bring back some things from that summer that I felt um, uh, make us better at the University of Virginia. What about any players? Did you learn? Because I think you learn a lot from your players as well. Did you pick up anything from the players that summer? Yeah, I did. You know, um, you know, first and foremost, you get to you get an opportunity to see um, you know, how the best ones at each position, uh, do it and, and their personalities. Um, you know, it was interesting from a pitching standpoint, Ryan, this was the, the most interesting part for me was being the pitching coaches. You had an opportunity to see how all of these elite pitchers do their work. Yes. Right. Because when you're the pitching coach for USA baseball for a short period of time, I just don't believe in, going in and, and making changes and, you know, um, you know, having players do certain routines that they're not used to. So I had all of our guys do the same routines that they did on their college teams uh, as far exactly. as their protocols of what they did between their outings and to get a chance to see, you know, the guys that do long toss, the guys that, you know, the different band exercises guys do, different, you know, lifting and training exercises they do. So get a chance to see from the elite guys from the elite programs across the country to see uh, what they're doing was uh, was really eye-opening to me, to me and a great opportunity to learn. I loved having conversations with when I was coaching with my players when they would come back from summer baseball. And you, would, I would be amazed at how much my guys would pick up from the guys that they played with at other schools, and they would they would adopt stuff from the other guys. And I know there there's that balance of do you send a guy out or don't send a guy out. And 
I think that's that's a great opportunity for guys to learn from other guys as well because you're around guys from different programs. Uh, well, there's 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 no question because uh, you know as you know Ryan anybody in this game that thinks that they have it all figured out. Uh, they're wrong. Well, you're right? going to be you're going to so be done. You'll be finished soon. Once you once you think you have everything figured out in baseball, you'll you'll be finished soon. That's right. And I think you know whether it be summer ball or um, you know playing for USA or whatever it might be, the opportunities that these players have is is a great opportunity for them to go out and and hear different philosophies and different ideas and things like that. So I think that there's and for them ultimately decide what works for them. And and I think uh, you know that it, certainly it's a great opportunity for us as coaches to learn what other people are doing. But it, certainly it is for our players as, as well. Yep. And, and last cla- last question here before I let you go. Any evening or morning routines or books, podcasts out there that you feel like from a personal development or professional development standpoint would help somebody that's listening in right now? Well, you know, my routine in the morning is to get up quite early in the morning and, and, uh, now have you always, have you always been that way? Have you always been? No, 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 that's that's something. I'm the same way. I'm the exact same way. I wasn't, and I am now. I think that's something that's developed over time. So you do feel like that that helps you getting up and going in the morning. Oh, there's no question. I mean, I'm I'm way more productive, uh, you know, before 10 and 11 a.m. than I am later in the evening. And yes. and I think that 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 changes in time, yes. Brian. You know, I I think uh, as we continue to grow and get older, we get up earlier in the morning, and yep. and uh, I think that's part of having children and things like that. Yes. That uh, you know, so. Um, you know, I, I, I spend a lot of time, uh, here in my office, you know, and, um, you know, getting work done and get, get, try to get here first thing in the morning and, and, um, you know, get the day started off right. And, you know, I, I've, I've been, you know, I, I try a lot of new things, um, listen to a lot of, uh, different things. I, I, I've enjoyed the, certainly enjoyed the podcast of the ABCA and, uh, has done over the years yeah. and have learned a lot uh, from a lot of other coaches. Um, exactly. You know, one thing that, um, you know, I, I've, I really liked is, you know, a, a year ago we had an organization come in into our program for a couple of days uh, and do some leadership development, leadership training stuff. It's called the program. Yes. Uh, yep. And you've probably seen some of the I things. That, and, you know, I've, I've kept in touch with those guys. Uh, they send out a, a, a newsletter, some stories and some information um, every couple of weeks that I always enjoy. I think I'm you know up to over 40 different newsletters from them that I enjoy reading. And uh, they recently uh, published a book um, that um, that I'm in the midst of that I really enjoy. And so I, I've I've spent a lot of time from a reading standpoint, really on 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 leadership development uh, t- type stuff and and culture things that um, you know I, I there's a lot a lot of great things out there right and yep. um, you know and, and use more of the ABCA and conversations with other coaches and things uh, from a a uh, you know a baseball development standpoint but you know overall conceptually right we're we're at a we're at a such a fascinating time in the game of baseball. Yes, we are. You know, it seems, it, it seems like every day you turn on your phone or the computer or whatever it is. And there's, you know, so many new development opportunities for coaches out there. And I'll tell you, you know, as, as a coach, if you don't keep up with it, the game is moving so fast yes, it and is. there's so many new things and in, in every facet of the game that, 
you have to take a little bit of time every week and really try to concentrate on keeping up with what's out there. Yep. You know, because, um, you know, your players that are coming to your program, they're all exposed to these things, right, which, which are great new opportunities for them to maximize their ability. But the onus is on us as coaches to make sure that we're up to speed and educated with what's, what's going on out there. And, and that's, you know, that's a John Wooden thing. John Wooden talked about how much he would read so he could actually sift through uh, for his players, I think as college coaches or pro coaches or high school coaches now, I think you have so much information to sift through that you owe it to your players to sift through that information and then obviously give them what you feel like is going to help them because they're not stupid. Players now know, um, you know, so you do have to be able to speak their language a little bit on that. With the amount of crossover from a college pro standpoint that we have right now, what do you feel like? coaching is going to look like here in two or three years oh boy i don't know I mean, just, <laughs> just 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 how it's transformed over the last 12 months it's amazing amazing it's you amazing. know it really is but it's great yes you know, it it's is. challenging everybody yep. it's bringing new people into the game um you know and so i i just we're we're at such a fascinating interesting time that um you know in the game of baseball it used to be that you know, hey, were you a player and how much did you play and how much have you coached and your knowledge base and things like that? The opportunities for people out there to learn about the game and learn about player development, um, you know, just sitting at a computer is amazing. Yes. Right. And the the amount of knowledge and uh, information that can people can get. It used to be the case, right, as you know, that it wasn't too long ago that you couldn't get that knowledge and information unless you were on the, on the field. No chance. And so, no chance. Right? And so, um, you know, things like this, the podcasts like this where people are sharing information and yeah. uh, different videos and different training that people can get on, on, on their computer and on their phone, it's just it, – fascinating well it's an inexpensive experience you can you can get so much inexpensive experience by paying attention to what's going on and and so many people are going through trial and error to to get to certain points you can pick up so much now out there as long as you're willing to invest the time to do it no question you can that said there's no replacement for being on the field exactly right and teaching and working with young people to help them progress and and develop as a player yeah well brian i really appreciate it i've always enjoyed our conversations and uh look forward to seeing you here soon well thanks ryan thanks for having me on yep thanks I've always been the biggest fan of Brian O'Connor because of how he treated me as a young assistant and as a a new head coach. Uh, He's an unbelievable example of of treating people the right way. Uh, He's a great ambassador for baseball, and I have a ton of respect for the job he's done uh, with the UVA program. Uh, Success leaves clues, and he has sustained success over his coaching career. Again, this is Ryan Brownlee signing off from the American Baseball Coaches Association offices in Greensboro, North Carolina. Remember to leave it better for those behind you, and thanks.
I told 